Hello, hello, hello. Sammy here from the Gateway team. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we start. I just want to say thank you so much to all the fans of the show who've been with us since the start and welcome to anyone who is newly joining us. We appreciate so much of the love and support that we've received from all of you over the last few seasons. And we'd especially like to thank our patrons who have been kind enough to help us with the podcast. And if you'd like to become a patron of our show, you can head over to www.com patreon.com forward slash gateway to anime. Every little bit helps and it means the absolute world to us. So thank you to all of you who have done and thank you to all of you for listening to the show. If you'd like to get any news of the podcast, you can head over to www.gatewaytoanime.com. And if you want to find us on any social media platform, you can just search gateway to anime and you will find us. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are you all? What's going on? Charlie, what's happening? I am back. I don't have my mug. Thanks, Graham. Um, because Graham's not here, I thought I'd, you know, spiritually represent him by Jane Eyre. <laughs> by Jane Eyre. <laughs> uh, yeah. Charlie's so gone too. Today I'll be talking about Jane Eyre. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good, uh, good. It's a good shoujo. <laughs> classic shoujo. Classic shoujo. Piece of literature. <laughs> I mean, we could get into that. We could do we could, an analysis. Could. That is actually not a terrible idea. Okay. I just said anime as well about opening this. So yeah, it was weird. I don't know what happened there, but just roll with <laughs> Everything's it. Everything's yeah. wrong today. Just roll with it, man. Anyway, what isn't wrong is our wonderful guest here, Gerald Lillywhite. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. I'm good. Uh, mugless, mm. uh, which is... Not even a mug at all. Yeah, I know. I was like, doing it, I'm off to a terrible start. <laughs> but yeah, very, very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you in. And you're probably, I mean, Graham's like become a co-host now, so you're probably our most recurring guest. I'd say definitely. In fact, you are. Yeah, wow. You are. Third time. Third time? Yes. Yeah, third or fourth. Yeah, we're it's very excited time. to be here. I yeah. uh, love talking about <laughs> obscure anime, and I feel like we've just taken our like pub yarns to the internet and <laughs> deal with the internet because uh, <laughs> we're here, here to we stay. Are. Here yeah. we are. Well, today we are talking about dark fantasy anime. So this is quite an interesting topic, and the three that we've chosen, <laughs> two of which are what I consider to be absolutely top tier, one in particular. However, the other one is... Also top tier. <laughs> in a different way. Yeah. In a if different way. If the tier way. was inverted. You exactly. know, sometimes yes. you climb so far down that you end up up the top. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll let Charlotte get to that one later. But I guess I'll just kick it off because it's I mean... so weird that I got the bad one. <laughs> I want. I, it's so bizarre that Sam assigned me this shit show. <laughs> you wanted to have a go at this since day one. You've already done it a little bit on this podcast already. Look, no spoilers, guys. Let's, let's you know. Yeah, you've got to be yeah. careful, Sam. I feel like Charlie's this close to unionizing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be. Uh... I'll be ruined. I'm oh. sick of the harm. Sick of it. <laughs> okay, well, so dark fantasy. I mean, I guess obviously this is it's not that nebulous a, a topic, but of course. Game of Thrones has brought this very much into popular consciousness. You could argue Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's not that dark, but you'd probably call it a dark fantasy, wouldn't you? Would you? Maybe being generous. It's probably just a straight fantasy, but it's yeah. got dark realm. I mean, Peter Jackson's version is pretty dark. Yeah. You know, really. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, anything that was inspired by watching your friends die in the mud um, during World War One has a little bit of darkness this you is know, true. baked into it. But you I think... Um, raise a good point with that one. Yeah, I think Lord of the Rings is is just so much the blanket example that everything else is projected yes. onto, you know, yes. and that that degree of high fantasy is kind of the baseline that something like dark fantasy is kind of reacting away from. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, Lord of the Rings is the quintessential fantasy, really. It is. I mean, let's be real. And, of course, Game of Thrones is now the modern one, and that, of course, took everything sure. super dark. And, you know, every, everything's kind of been trying to do that since. Anime does dark fantasy quite well. Across the board, there's a lot of them. Most dark fantasies tend to be isekai or just fantasy in general. They're mostly isekais. So I want to try to steer clear of them because they're a whole different beast. And there's just, we've already done an episode on isekai. And we, we talked about several of these sort of fantasy type shows. Overlord, of course, being a trash dark fantasy of sort out online isn't necessarily that dark, but it's in there, in that realm, in that yeah. realm. But uh, yeah, I want to my heart go dark. When yeah. It got bad. Yeah. <laughs> the disappointment. Yeah. The disappointment was so real. I so, mean, so ReZero is a good, good one. ReZero was a fantastic sure. one, and that is one of the better ones, obviously. But we have talked about that. But a classic dark fantasy. In fact, on the last episode, I talked about another great dark fantasy in 
Fate Zero. Another one which is really good in that department. Also kind of elements of not Isekai, reverse Isekai, I guess, yeah. you know, pulling in the heroic spirits from different timelines into our modern timeline. But we're not here to talk about that. Let's me kick off with a show. Please. called Claymore. Now, Claymore is a Japanese dark fantasy manga series written and illustrated by Norohiro Yogi. It ran from 2001 to 2014 across 27 Tankoban volumes. Then a 26-episode anime series produced by Madhouse was broadcast on Nippon Television from April to September 2007. So the series is set in a fictional medieval island where mankind are plagued by Yoma, humanoid shapeshifters that feed on human flesh and innards. A mysterious group known as the Organization create human-Yoma hybrids to fight against these Yoma. These are exclusively female warriors and they are referred to as claymores due to the giant claymore swords that they wield. They are also known as silver-eyed witches due to their silver eyes and hair. They're kind of a silver vision. They're armor too, silver. They're very silver. It makes sense. Yoma and Claymores are alike in that they are powered by a demonic energy called Yoki, which allows for shapeshifting and extreme strength. So when Claymores use too much Yoki, they run the risk of awakening, where they turn into a kind of super Yoma creature called an awakened being. So the act of awakening is actually likened to kind of a feeling of sexual climax. So while in the past, so when it's like, you know, because the power is so like intoxicating. And so as a result, the reason only women are used is because they tried to do it with men back in the past and we fuck it up because as soon as they got close to that kind of feeling, they were just awakened. So there's tons of awakened beings out there, all the old claymores who were men. Sure. So like that's kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting little little bit in there. So that's why women are now exclusively used. So the island is divided into 47 different districts with one warrior assigned to each. Claymores number one through 47 are ranked according to their baseline yoki potential, strength, agility, intelligence, sensing and leadership, basically how strong they are. And a warrior's rank rises and falls due to the warrior's strength in relation to the other warriors at the time. It's unclear whether the warrior's strength comes from training and experience or if it's an inherent ability or affinity just from the person themselves. So the story follows number 47, right down at the bottom, Claire, who rescues a young boy named Raki from a Yoma. Raki's family has been slaughtered by Yoma and he has nowhere else to go. So he decides to follow Claire on her Yoma slaying journey, much to Claire's chagrin, of course. She's very cold and distant, doesn't want anything to do with him. But of course, he sort of wears her down and ends up following her. So her and Raki share a similar past as well. So she does have a bit of empathy as much as a Claymore can have for him. So she eventually acquiesces and he tags along and it becomes obvious that there's something a little bit different about Claire. So she's a little bit different to the other Claymores. She's not like other girls. Not like other girls. (laughs) 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 But her number 47 rank is slightly misleading and I won't spoil what, what the whole deal is with Claire. But that's basically Claymore. So obviously it's very much a medieval Gothic European inspired aesthetic. You know, all the big sure. stone kind of cathedrals and, you know, classic kind of old RPG medieval towns. And of course, the Claymores are historically a giant Scottish sword, which were wielded by Scottish warriors yeah. and women as well. This is potentially an interesting thing because mm. one of the unifying, you know, aesthetic motifs across all of this seems to be a kind of Japanese fascination with this European aesthetic. And you see it through like a lot of anime. A lot of Isakai. What do we think's going on with that? It's a good question. I mean, yeah, because. Almost every isekai is basically straight into a European medieval setting. Mm. And, yeah, all three of these shows that we're talking about are also. Also Attack on Titan springs to mind. Big time. There's a lot, yeah. It's all through it, isn't it? Yeah, it's an interesting point. I wonder where it does come from. I suppose it's literature, I guess. I guess, like, fantasy to me conjures that in my head. Yeah. I'm kind of just, like, I find it hard to define fantasy in my head because, obviously, a lot of anime has most most plot lines of anime have fantastical elements to <laughs> yes, it. Yes, so yes, what do we consider shining. like a yeah. typical fantasy would be that kind of medieval, like that kind yes. of yeah. video game thing. Yeah, so I absolutely, think, I think actually like all modern fantasy has that inclination, whether it's Japanese or you know Eastern European or Australian, this kind of automatic drift back to that European Tolkien esque thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the modern kind of criticisms of like the new wave of fantasy is all about kind of mixing that up so yeah it makes Mm. sense that japan would be part of that because usually japan you know like to do their own thing and you know they're very 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 much have their own aesthetic in their art style and you know not just not just anime art manga art but also their modern art and Mm. more ancient art it's very very specific to japan a lot lot to do with about space and utilization of space and, and delicate simplicity you know ikibana all the work they do with an, a japanese gardens all the meticulous lines and space yeah. and so it's interesting that they kind of always go to this european aesthetic yeah and i mean it works looks great it's it's dark it, it's gothic you know yeah. like these are exactly what leads you into a kind of 
oppressive, dark kind of vibe. But you know what I mean? Like straight away you go, if you're in there, you're like, as soon as you see that aesthetic, you're like, okay, oh, cool. There's no rules here. <laughs> it could be murdered at any time. It's kill or be killed. But so, I do recall mm. that um, Murakami, like early in his career, like a lot of his films are set in that European aesthetic house moving castle. Yes. Um, he speaks about as his career uh, went on wanting to revisit more traditional Japanese settings. And so all his recent films are kind of exploring that really interesting Japanese yeah. historical context in that way. Mm. Miyazaki is an interesting. He does blend things quite quite well because even like Princess Mononoke, which is of course so ingrained in Japanese history and the you know, relation to the land and the forest is very kind of Japanese, yeah. but also that fantastical kind of European style as well. And, but yeah, there's elements of that industrialism in the town, which is kind of a mixture of a Japanese, it's very much a Japanese town, yeah. but using that kind of European industrial setting as well. Yeah. Kind of a mixture. It's quite interesting. House of Moon Castle is almost entirely aesthetically like medieval. Yeah. yeah. That, that's very much. And that's also based on a book by Diana Wynne-Jones, who huh. is an English or a Welsh writer. Um, right. Do like Crestomancy series and that. So oh. the book is, I've actually read the book. I've read the source material Ooh. of House of Moon Castle. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, it's actually <laughs> really different because, you know, and I feel like they're both, I love the books, love the movie probably more. And I think it's like got a Miyazaki stamp all over it. You know, yes. like they took it, they they made it a Ghibli film and yes. it was amazing, but still kept that. I think that was probably arguably more a throwback to the source material than anything else, like the, yeah. the design of it. So I don't know. Yeah. Because Spirit Away is obviously very much a Japanese. Very like, much Japanese yeah. aesthetic, yes. And yeah. is the best one, let's be real. It's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. We know this. There's so many which are good. I mean, of course, you know, Porco Rosso, World War One European setting as yeah. well. You know, obviously not, not ancient fantasy style, not gothic <laughs> horror, but yeah. yeah. Which is celebration of that Mediterranean whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And flying pigs, which are also great. Awesome. Um, <laughs> always good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an old saying for a reason. You know, we've always wanted it. Yeah, I've often like... <laughs> Been on an island in Italy and looked up at the sky and thought, you know what this needs? <laughs> Skyhawk. <laughs> Does Claymore stand, like, is it, when was it actually released? Sorry. 2006. 2006. Does it stand mm. the test of time? It, it certainly suffers from some slightly janky animation. I mean, it's Madhouse sort of at their peak, so it looks great for its time. Sure. You know, it's kind of like you'd love a remake by Ufotable or something right now, and it would just be like top, 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 top tier. We'll say, ending. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's not their fault. They ran. They basically ran out of time because they followed the manga pretty much up to the exact moment where they didn't in the final two episodes where apparently they were like, you need to finish this. And they're like, oh, fuck, how? And it's a bit of an ass pull and it's, it's famously terrible. But, like, it's kind of only literally the last, like, half of the, like, last episode. It's just like, the fuck? What was that? So um, Poochie uh, gets like drawn out. I need to go home to my home planet. <laughs> like, it's okay. honestly quite literally yeah. like that. So oh, it's just like. Suck puppets emerging <laughs> from the. <laughs> the end. The end. The hell what? is that? <laughs> Put a better cartoon out of my ass. <laughs> yeah, so basically it's really good up until the end, but you forgive the end because you know that they had to kind of end it and they just clearly were like oh fuck we have no idea what to do here so we'll just yeah. finish it up don't worry about it it's fine yeah everyone's always wanted a season two to like go to the conclusion that the manga came to because the manga is famously very very good yep so we all hold out hope for a remake one day claim more brotherhood claim more brotherhood but at the same time it's definitely worth a watch i really liked it you know right up until the end it's just absolutely fantastic animation still holds up great story great characters and yeah definitely worth a watch Claymore. pick from me all right sam here's the thing mm. Sell me on the fantasy. Cool. Now sell me on the dark, baby. Like, oh, it's it's dark. It's uh, those yomas are they they they're indiscriminately murdering people left, right, and center. It's okay. it's, it's violent too. Okay, like, so there's a bit of bit of blood and gore in this one. Oh yeah, big time, big time. Like yeah, the opening episode, Raki. As I said, the yoma have shape are shapeshifters, right? Mm. So Raki's like kind of enamored by Claire as soon as she arrives in his town, and she's kind of like very dismissive of him. But then he goes back home, and his brother is eaten. His sister. Okay. And his brother is a Yoma, has yeah. been ate his brother a while ago and shapeshifted into him. Right. Um, so it is fucking savage. Terrible. And then Claire follows him because he's, she could smell Yoma on him. Right. Slays him. That's kind of how it all begins. Okay. So, yeah, it's- um, A friendship it's, born out of murdering your brother. Yeah. Tra- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trauma bond. Yeah. It's a trauma the bond. Anime. Yeah. It's like, and Claire's, I won't go into Claire's history too much, but there's a similar kind of backstory there. Um, so yeah, it's funny though because like that sounded like the opening of um, Demon Slayer, which is very hundred percent. They've taken that. Is yeah. that a dark fantasy or is it because it's a, it's a shonen? But is it a dark fantasy? There's elements, kind of. 
There's elements. Even though it's not that like, medieval aesthetic. Yeah, I, I would say that's, that's probably a fair call. Like it's, That's what I mean, though. They're all kind of a dark, though. Like Yeah, I mean, Attack on Titan's probably a dark fantasy. Definitely. No, no, that's uh, no, definitely no, no question. Like, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Charlie, when you said, like, trauma story, and I think that that's another of the threads that runs through a lot of these is that, yeah, it's relationships born of trauma and born of, you know, living in this crappy, hostile, brutal world and just bonded together by survival, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, like, it's dark and it's pretty gory. And it's it's cool. It's a good show. It really is. Like I I was, I'd always heard about it. I'd never watched it, but it'd be one of those shows where I was like, shit, I should probably watch this. And I watched it. And I was like, this is really good. So yeah, it's not like in my top ten or anything, but like it's a it's a good show. Definitely worthwhile watching. Also, before we just before we jump into the next one, we should have probably topped this at the start of the of the show. But Gerald and I, Gerald's been staying with me for a few days. We have been watching Cowboy Bebop. That's right. We the have. live version on Netflix. <clears throat> now, interesting. I don't want to get too bogged down in this because we are doing a Hollywood remake live action special. But all I'll say is I don't hate it. I don't hate it. This is the biggest shock. This is a twist of the season. I don't hate it, but I certainly don't love it. It's not the anime. Never going to be the anime. It's not a remake of the anime. It seems to me that the only way I can get through it, maybe I'm just forcing myself and trying to see some kind of light here, but it's like, I'm just like, okay, this is based on the world of Cowboy Bebop. And this is a Western interpretation. A Netflix show. Do you know what it looks like? It looks like and feels a lot like Altered Carbon. Now, is that a good thing? Not really. But it's, mm. I don't know. It's, Gerald, no, what do you reckon, man? They're, they're missing some key elements. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, um, you say don't get bogged down, but, I mean, I could borrow it to, <laughs> to the centre of the earth and, and, uh, <laughs> and trying to unpack this one. And, you know, I've been on this show digging deep into why I think, you know, as I said, Cowboy Bebop is one of my favourite things of all time and there's an artfulness to that anime original about mm. watching and being watched and, you know, wearing your past but not digging directly into it and the remake doesn't have that artfulness to it yes you know we, we spoke about you know like the sweet spot of cowboy bebop is that you know ennui that you know spike looking into the distance and you're like i don't know what's going on with that guy but he's every person i've ever met mm. whereas through the western lens of tv making it's like well the b plot needs to be spike's journey so let's throw that wound right in your face from you know the first scenes of the first episode and so yes. just by virtue of bringing that want and that emotional disorder explicitly to the surface it just changes the whole flavor it does and so the moment that that happens you're okay it's something different and it's fun it's watchable um, yes but, but yeah, I still like the anime better there's never going to be a version of this that was better than the anime yeah. you know never that, that's why i accepted that going in yeah but yes the fact that they've kind of made the sid sid the not sid vicious the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> spy you exactly <laughs> you know what i was going for yeah the fact that they've made the whole vicious and spike thing is like the absolute a story through which everything else is kind of funneled is just missing the point yeah you know it's like that's the reason it works so well in the anime is that it kind of it's a you only get bits of it and it's bubbling in the back yeah but the cool thing about it is the fact that like and same with jet story as well they've made jets They've tried to really up Jet's like fatherhood thing. And he's like, I gotta find a doll for my daughter. And it's just like, no, you don't. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how this works, man. I know that, you know, I can see the Western writer room. I'm not trying to shit on Western storytelling, but like, just when you bring something from the East into the West, you're automatically gonna bring your own lens to it, right? So I can see him in the writer's room being like, well, what's Jet's need, man? Yeah. What do we need? He needs to have something. It's like, the whole point of this is that they have nothing yeah. anymore. They've, they're running from their past and they're kind of just existing now. Sure. And that's what's great about the anime. They're kind of just doing things to fill time. Yeah. Because they're broken people with not much else to live for. Well, I'd say one thing to that and, and one more thing on top of that that's another redeeming feature for me. The the Netflix show is an hour versus a half hour. Yes. And the mechanics of telling a half hour story versus a, a one hour story is exactly what you think it is. There's more time mm. to fill. Yes. And the way in which the, the beats and the flow of dramatic tension has to work through that one hour form puts a lot more pressure on having different narrative lines running at different times. And so by virtue of having to fill that space, I can see how you would reach for the material that exists. But in in filling that space, you've kind of overladen it. Correct. Um, And, you know, maybe it was Netflix that said you can do it, but it needs to be one hour and this is just the cost of doing business. Mm. Um, So I don't know. The other thing that this show does have in common with the original is Cano's music. Yes. And that's still dope as hell. Anyway, look, we're about halfway through the series. You and I, we, we kind of smashed through it. Uh, I will refrain from giving a full 
breakdown until we do the episode, until I've finished it. Sure. But all I'll say is don't love it, don't hate it, kind of don't know if I like it, but I don't hate it. No, I haven't watched it, so I have nothing. That's like I've been uncharacteristically quiet this entire time. <laughs> yes. I haven't watched it, so. We're saving your opinion in reserve for the, for the big dance. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Now, speaking of Charlotte's opinions, Charlotte, why don't oh you tell God. us a little bit about a show which you've actually mentioned before on this podcast in the Netflix walkthrough in season one. Charlotte, why don't you tell us about the dark fantasy show Akami Garkill? I'm going to start by saying I was trying this whole time to think of a bit about Jane Eyre being a dark fantasy, but I could not remember the name of the main male character. But all I had in my head was Mr. Rorschach. That is not his name. <laughs> Rochester. Rochester. <laughs> but I was like, that's a dark fantasy right sure. there. Yes, where Jada ends up with Rorschach from Watchmen. So I was just like, this is bad. I mean, Rochester's pretty I'd bad too. Yeah. Bad vibes all around. It's bad him. vibes. It's his wife in the attic or some shit. Yes. It's a bad vibe. It is a dark fantasy. Well, so is what's his name from Wuthering Heights. He's the fucking worst. Oh, Catherine's bad too. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> all bad vibes. Here we go. <laughs> Mr. Darcy, a total gentleman though. So that's you know. true. That's true. Right, we love an enemies to lovers trope. That's it. That started it all. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm back with not that bit because I couldn't think of it. Um, <laughs> but I'm here with Akami Gakil. So I talked about Yes, as Sam said, on the Netflix um, episode that we did way back in season one. A while back now. It's probably not even worth listening to <laughs> and because uh, we just speed through them. I think it's a completely different lineup on Netflix now. has way more anime than they ever yeah, probably, probably do another, to another one. Yeah, because it's mm. the most accessible for, like, most people have a Netflix subscription. Yeah. yeah. You're going to shell out. You know, it's like you're more likely to have Netflix and Crunchyroll. Yes, uh, yes. Unless you're an anime fan, you're not going to buy a Crunchyroll or Funimation. You should if, you're, if you are getting into it, guys. Support you know, the industry. Support the industry. This show is an interesting one. So Can't Make a Kill, it's 2014 <laughs> anime. Mm-hmm. I, it was at the time... Let me just paint you a picture. I had decided like anime was sort of a bit kiddie for me. Now, I, I know, I know this is bad. In 2014, I was having a rebellious phase. <laughs> I was like, you know, going to clubs and being normal. Oh, what the fuck? I was, I was not, not doing any of the above. I just decided I was a bit anime fatigued. Yes, I remember And I think time. a lot of it was to do with the fact that I felt like a lot of the shows I was watching was a little bit too kind of kiddie or shown and I kind of, you know, Naruto was pretty much done. Like I kind of mm. just couldn't quite get back into it or find a new show that really gripped me because mm. I longed for some more edgy content. Mm. So when I read about this show, I went, oh, my God, my prayers have been answered. Oh, we yeah. have a shonen stereotypical show yep. that is actually dealing with dark theme. It was like a shonen thing where people died and actually shit happened and it was gory and it was aimed at like a higher, it was like shonen tropes but aimed at an older audience. Yeah. So I thought this is great. My answers have been instead of everyone miraculously surviving, you know, and like and that kind of thing. Like plot armor. Plot armor. I mean characters still have plot armor in this, don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. But um, I thought it was going to be really cool. I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> this show is terrible. <laughs> and I – Thought when Sam told me to do this, I went, you know what, maybe I'll just, I'll just watch one episode to rehash my memory because I can't remember any of it. And as mm. I put it on, it was like I had unlocked some kind of like <laughs> repressed memory and the whole storyline came flooding back and I was just, just like. you? I was just furious <laughs> again. I was like, this show is trash. <laughs> and like last week I did, we did death um, deathmatch animes last week and I cool. did The Future mm. Diary, Mariah Nikkei, which is um, edgy trash as well, but I kind of enjoyed it at the yeah, same time. Sort of it I knows was like, trash and it works it. Yeah. This one is just like it was just it's just so bad and it takes itself way too seriously. Yeah. And that's a problem. I'll give you a brief rundown of it. Kamika Kill follows a character called Tatsumi, who is just like a kind of low-level sword wielding guy. Mm-hmm. This is all set in a medieval like world. And basically there is a really, really repressive government yep. called the and they're like the capital, which is the city, but they're kind of just called the capital. And they run a tight ship, as in they kill everyone and they're really evil and like it's just no it's a really bad place to live. Mm. Um, we start with Tatsumi going, he's like a country boy and he goes to the city and he gets there to find his friends and his friends have been murdered. Is this right? Yeah, they've been like yeah. murdered and well, then he gets sure taken in by this like lovely family who then turn out to be psychopaths and then he gets raided by this group called the Night Raid, they're called, and they are a group of assassins who are like outlaw number one in, this, in the whole world. Mm. Like they are a rebellious group. Anyway, it turns out that actually – the family that took him in were evil and psychopathic and night They were rich, very rich. Super and rich. They were like kind of basically hoarding poor people to 
torture and stuff. Yeah, like they were just it's it's, edgy as fuck. It's edgy, but like with no. So they're like, these guys are rich, so they're evil and like torture. There's no like explanation as to why anyone's like this. They're just mm. like, well, you're yeah. not. If you had enough money, you'd hunt people. You yeah, know, that's, that's, just the that's natural. how it is. We just did the battle royale episode. Absolutely, uh, you I need to feel something. So basically, like that, he joins the night raid, which are um, a motley crew of hot girls. <laughs> With different weapons and powers and different a couple outfits. Of guys in there. Oh, there's yeah, there's two guys, mm. but they're you know they're another. They're just all classic. Like I can't. There's like a girl with a bikini on for no apparent reason. Yeah. There's like the silent edgy one. Like I can't. They're all the worst. Anyway, basically, <laughs> he joins this group of boring tropes, and then he becomes one of them, and that is basically the storyline. And they're assassins. I'm not going to go any deeper because it I can't give it any more energy. It's two warring groups though, doesn't it? Yes. So basically in the end you've got the Night Raid who you follow, which he joins. and they're A revolutionary group. Yes, a revolutionary group against the evil capital. And the capital have their own team of elite ass assassins mm-hmm. that fight back. One. Yep. They've got these things called Imperial Arms, which is the power system. Yes. Which are basically like items that you can what, what, fuse with, I guess, or they're like yep. weapons. And so, for example, there's a girl who is on the assassin team who has a makeup box that when she puts her makeup on, she turns completely into like her, she can disguise herself and turn into. Mm. So this is the fantasy elements here. Like it was all very much that. Um, He's got a sword. Uh, Akami is the titular character who I don't know why. She's hardly she really barely does anything, does she? But they're like, Akami go kill. And I'm like, oh, she must be a big character. Like, I guess, but. Kind of. She's a hot chick with a sword. <laughs> like she's great, but. I'm she's done. a cool character. But I would say. And she fights her sister. Yeah, the look. There's so many things. Like Sam obviously was more invested in the storyline than I have been. I've watched it for like six years. Yeah, no, but, but it's just come back to me. I'm just like, oh my God. But one thing that really stands out is the villain in the storyline <laughs> who by all accounts is, it's really, it is, you know, I'm like, is this a feminist masterpiece? Spoiler, <laughs> it's absolutely not. But this, you know, the, the undisputed king. Queen even. The undisputed queen of power is the most like evil general of all the army is this girl called Esdeath. And she's got her imperial arms is the ice power. Mm. And she's obscenely powerful. Like she, there's just kind of like, everyone's just like, she's the strongest. We've got to defeat her. She's also a Yandia. Oh yeah. So I did Mariah Nikki last week, which has the prototype Yandia mm-hmm. with the pink hair. Now we've got the Yandia with the blue hair. Oh yeah. yeah. She's ice powers. Yeah. And um, she's just obsessed like it's thing I was like, oh cool, it's kind of good they have a villain who is so OP who's a woman. Like I was kind of like sort of into this, like great. Anyway, flash forward two seconds. She's inexplicably obsessed and in love with with Natsumi. Like inexplicably, she he smiles and she's like, I love him. And then she puts a literal, like it's like some weird fanboy fantasy where she comes out and like literally puts a dog collar on him and is like, You are mine now. And then just like That's is obsessed terrible. with him. And she's like this really hot, evil woman. And I'm that's her, and, it, you know. But it's just like all of the build-up of this like really amazingly strong villain yeah, who is like is just completely undone in two seconds with her obsession with this really average guy who now has like what seventeen hey, girlfriends like in this life, world. Man. Like I can't. Anyway, that guy fails yeah. up. Yeah, like is, I was it, like, is it a masterpiece? What? Yeah, I can't. Basically, the show is I would say not worth watching. The power system of the Imperial Arms. I was like, I kind of don't mind that. Like it's mm. sort of. Fun. The different ones, that you, like the the and the ice one, is considered the most powerful, and yeah. and I don't mind the one on one battles with the other assassin team. Some cool fights, but Some it's, really cool it's fights. so edgy. Yeah, it's trash for no reason. Like the the deaths are really gory. They kill people for shock factor all the time. Mm. Uh, the villains have really no. They are evil. Like. Oh yeah, mustache twirling. Like there's very little nuance. Yeah, look, it's not a good show. But I wanted to talk about it because a, I thought it was funny for Charlotte to just shit on something. Like that's funny. Um, you know, have a have a kick it, kick it while it's down. Charlie's lawyers are gathering to try. <laughs> they're writing this letter to, <laughs> to, to get out of this Sick role. This no, I mean, to be fair, Graham has had the worst shows recently. Yeah, so it was my ones. turn to take it. And also, I you know, I just, I'm usually down for some trash. Like I'm usually yeah. down. You're, you're more like, what you have more are you affinity trying to- for trash than I do. You watch a lot of trash. She's got a thicker, she's got a harder stomach than you, Sam. <laughs> I'm edgier. You're edgier. <laughs> As the edgelord of this, that's not a thing. Like, I can't. Yeah, it's really, it's dark as in like a 14-year-old boy's version of a dark yeah. fantasy. Yeah, that's right. like, if so you're a 14-year-old like boy, Thrones. you'd be Sorry. absolutely all over it. You know what I mean? Like, But it's it's fucking trash. Yeah. George R. R. Martin probably likes a comic. <laughs> like, probably does, to be honest. Probably George, true. Everyone taking shots. I mean, unapologetically, my rule for anime is that if I don't feel comfortable watching it next to my partner, I don't watch it. Yeah. And this is just one that, yeah, just the the harem elements, the, the, the skimpy thing, looking at it through like a 14-year-old boy's prison is 
right. It's just like, okay, mm. this exists. I'm going to let it go through to the keeper. But that's just my straighty 180 take. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's got a huge fan base, of yeah. course, as you can imagine. But, like, yeah, for me it's like. I think the manga is entirely different. It's important to note oh, really? that people have said that the anime caught up really quickly because it, it, it aired, yeah. the manga was released in 2013 mm. and oh, went until wow. so 2019. So it's actually a lot longer. Oh. So they did make up the ending. Anime Similar. There ending. you go. Classic That's anime original. Yeah. I still don't think that there's much foundation there. So people no. are like, just the source material. I haven't read the source material of this. I haven't done that. You didn't go back and what? You didn't go and, and study it? No. <laughs> I chose peace. Yeah. Uh, I think. Chose happiness. Yeah. Look, I mean, so White Fox animated it. Yep. Um, yep. We've talked about them before with Stein's Gate. ReZero. ReZero. Like they actually have really good animation. Mm. So the quality of animation at the time was actually pretty high. So some good. of the fight scenes are pretty cool. And some of the powers that come out, like, you know, zombie powers and, like, the string man. like The string man, yeah. Sorry, here's a string. With knives and, like, um, you know, that kind of thing. I like the makeup box disguise kit. Yeah. Look, it's if you want to get the best out of a Kamiga kill, YouTube, best fights a Kamiga kill, and you've got it. You know what I mean? That you've done it. You've done all you you're gonna get all you're gonna get from that show right then and there, probably in about 15 minutes compilation on YouTube. Like that's what you need to do if you want to get a coming guy kill. Don't waste your time by actually watching it. Yeah. It's just so I think the reason I'm so angry about it, there's so many shows that are like this too. Like it's not a rarity, unfortunately, no. in anime. Um Especially back then it was a huge glut. I mean, so I many isekais like it immediately, you know, right now. Back then though, I was excited for it. And that's what hurt the most. I love that you were having a soft identity crisis and you were very vulnerable. You're like, if I'm not this, what am I? And then this anime just like came around and put a really skeezy shoulder. <laughs> <in you. laughs> no wonder I didn't watch it for yeah. two years. Yeah. Like seriously, it was dumb. Yeah. Character designs are like, are they're, 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 uh, they're, very anime. they're very like, they're every, they're every, you want to, you want a type of girl, you got it. Like that is true, different, you know, like. Whatever you taste. Yeah. So that's not good as a general rule. I don't know. And that to me is a fucking bullshit character. He is. He's, yeah. He's like whatever a male version of a Mary Sue is. You know what I mean? It's just like he's so like yeah, nothing. Then everyone's like, like Kirito from fucking Sword Art Online. Literally, it's, it's so you know, similar. Same thing. It's just like everyone's yeah. like, oh, I'm in love with you. It's like, what the fuck for? What the fuck for? Yeah, he <laughs> smiles and the strongest character in the world This is like, I'm, I love you. That, yeah. That's literally the plot it's line. I can't bizarre. cope. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Anyway, that's it. Um, so don't watch it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I could have gotten into more detail. But I did, like, yeah. All you doing sure. is that. Like, sure, yeah, man. I'm sorry. Um, watch Claymore. Yeah, watch Claymore. But now that we've done with one good and one bad, well, let's move on to something. And funny you mention it because mentioning shows that you might find difficult to watch next to one's partner on the laptop. Well, let's talk, Gerald, about Berserk. Right. Okay, well, let's start right out in front there. The last two episodes of Berserk, I was laying in bed and I closed the laptop <laughs> screen um, recalling what happens and we'll and we'll get to that berserk this was the second anime I ever watched mm-hmm. I um after <laughs> after I'd finished with cowboy bebop went back to the video store yep. and these were the next the next ones that got got rented off and for a long time I thought I was the only person in the world that had watched this this show mm. and it's so strange is the wrong word but the way that it all comes together in the end it like burrows under your skin I'm like oh this is just tattooed in me now forever mm. and that kind of mirrors where it kind of sits in the fandom a little bit where you know it's so critically acclaimed it has this fan base but it's just never kind of gotten that level of notoriety as the neon genesis no, or no. you know some of these other ones that get put on the pedestal so a lot to talk about let's start with what it's about berserk is dark fantasy set in a brutal medieval world and it follows the story of guts who is a lone mercenary who partners up with an enigmatic, brilliant mercenary band leader called Griffith. And it's kind of about their mercenary band, Band of the Hawk, and their rise in pursuit of Griffith's dream, which is to have a kingdom of his own. In a lot of ways, it's as, as just broadly that. There are the family of the people that live in this mercenary band. There is many, many wars. It is gory. You've got intrigue between nobles and the tensions of a commoner like Griffiths rising to the top in a very uh, strict hierarchical society. And then there's also this very unnerving, dread-filled fantasy element that's bubbling under the surface. Oh, yeah. Demonic imagery, interactions with figures that seem a couple of standard deviations outside of the reality that you've been given and central to all of this, uh, a talisman that hangs around Griffith's neck. 
and what it builds to, the clashing of this mercenary story and the climax of those demonic elements is something that you'll never forget. And also something that requires you to, to close the laptop close next the to laptop. your partner. <laughs> yes. Now, yes. this is one that's really <laughs> difficult to talk about without spoilers. Yes, Because it is. so much of its lasting, you know, you say value. Watching the episodes is a lot of value, but the reason why it's kind of attained God tier level in some people's minds is because of how it all sums. I should say that it's by a genius visionary by the name of Kentaro Miura, who died very recently and famously yes. left the manga unfinished. Yes. Now, the manga goes way more broad in the story than what the anime does. The yes. anime is 25 episodes. It was produced by OLM. Yep. When I looked them up, have done Pokemon yep. and a lot of Pokemon A lot things. of Pokemon. Tamagotchi um, as well. Yep. Yeah, um, same same vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, actually, they're also doing Komi-san Can't Communicate. Yes. Um, so that's right their, their big Quite one. a varied uh, yes. body of work, actually. Totally. So that's the big one that's just dropped on Netflix. And so famously the anime shows the essentially the arc, which is Guts joining with the band, climaxing with where that band finishes. Mm. And then the majority of the manga is kind of about Guts following that period, working to make the events of that thing right. Yes. I guess the manga's – sorry, the anime is almost the prologue, like in a way. Yeah. Uh, the story kind of begins after the anime ends. Now, famously, there, <laughs> everyone's been waiting to have – this. the anime came out in 1997. You know, it's right. old and it does suffer from – old animation and some of it's pretty fucking janky. However, <laughs> be careful what you wish for sometimes fans, because in 2016, finally, all of us who've been waiting all this time for the story to continue in anime form, it did horribly, just horribly. I mean, 2016, it's now a famous meme. Like Berserk 2016 is basically a meme because the animation was just so bad. It was made by Linden Films, who do Tokyo Revengers. Also a shit fucking show. I'm sorry. And I'm also convinced it's badly written. But anyway, I'll get into that another time. It's just, it's so bad. And it kind of, everyone just couldn't believe what we were watching. You know what I mean? It looks like, like PlayStation 2 cutscene. And the sound design was just appalling. Like the clanking of Guts' sword. I mean, it was just like, it was just one of those things where you're like, why did you do this? I wish no one had done anything. We were better off with nothing. You know? Yeah. So sorry to jump in there quickly, no, but no. that was like just somebody I've mentioned Sam, it before. Let Gerald have thing. Berserk. I know. God damn it. He's like, you can have Berserk. <laughs> I just want to say, I'll just chime in. I'm just going to talk. <laughs> it does end very abruptly. Um, yes. And you can, you can really understand with that like wealth of source material to adapt these questions of why something else didn't happen. And, and you know, when we were speaking the other day, you made the good point about one of the things that's distinguishes the manga is about how detailed it is, oh, how yeah. closely the lines are drawn. And, and, you know, the vision of Miura is one of the things that sets apart. Like he was inspired by Bosch, by Escher and by Geiger, and it's got mm. elements of Lovecraft in there. Oh, yeah. And whereas traditional manga is all about space, yes. this is very much about the detail. Oh, so yeah. it's difficult to, to bring to the screen at that level of quality. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you're watching a 1997 production, I've been ruined you know, like I used to be able to watch this and be like, what a beautiful painting of a countryside. Now I'm like, make those trees move. You know, I want to see each individual leaf. Yes. Um, but, yeah, there is, I think, we've all seen a million different dark fantasy things and I imagine one of like the big challenges for a creator is like how do I make my monsters distinct how do mm. I give this a visual identity that's just not everything that I've seen before and in especially in the context of Japanese popular culture Berserk does this oh yes yeah. it's, it's unlike anything that had kind of gone before and it's inspired a lot of stuff but it still kind of stands on its own yes and so that's the first thing I'd say about it this is another one that's the vision of one person they've played it out with that vision in mind and uh, its strengths and weaknesses, it's a complete vision. It mm. feels like, you know, you're engaging with someone's art, which is awesome. Yes. The second thing I'd say is that the story is incredible. Yeah. Incredible in the way that kind of Shakespearean stuff is incredible where like, okay, the plot might not be that complex, but you're taking very recognizable iconic characters and bringing them in towards these like big moments that sum to a kind of morality tale or a dark fable about how people interact. Yes. And so if the story is about this mercenary band and about this character called Guts 
teaming up with Griffith, well, actually what their relationship is about is that experience that we all have in life where you meet someone incredible and you put them on a pedestal and they're everything that you're not and everything that you want to be and you might be a little bit lost and you're pulled in by their their like drive and their focus and and the story ultimately becomes this cautionary tale about being sucked into someone else's dreams mm-hmm. and about using that as a crutch to not go and figure your own things out and it goes much deeper than that but you know that's a storyline that you don't really see all that all that often no. and it gets played out to its you know, absolute conclusions. And so the other side of that is that Griffith is a really interesting character. Fascinating. Too. You know, it's the other side of that psychology where you are so driven in pursuit of this goal. You want to get to the castle. You've got the charisma to bring these people around you. Then all of a sudden you're leading your friends through war and people are getting killed. And how do you live with the responsibility of those deaths? Does it make you stop or does it push you on even harder because you've got to make those deaths count? And again, the way that all plays towards its final conclusion is really fascinating psychological study as well. So now we'll get to the trigger warnings uh, associated with this show. Like it's a capital D dark fantasy and there's a lot of, as you said before, Charlie, trauma being a motif in these kind of stories. Yeah, trauma's at the heart of this one too. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And a lot of it is a sexual trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Griffith, Guts, and also the third central character, Casca, who's the female lieutenant of the the Hawks as well, all touched by sexual violence. Mm -hmm. And so if that is uh, a thing for you, I'd say give this one a a wide berth. Yes, That's totally fair. But strangely, by virtue of touching on the violence of sex and intimacy, there's moments in the show where the characters are able to transcend that and it's actually quite affecting, you know. Mm. There's certain fair arguments about like not needing to go that dark to get that light, um, but in this piece of 1997 fiction, you know, it is it is affecting. I think that great characters, really strong story with a clear message. It's very tight. There's no wasted beats like mm-hmm. sometimes you get in anime. It doesn't go on any detours. It's just like these are the steps. Yes. Yeah. For those reasons, it's always it's really hung hung with me, you know, yeah. because where it goes and you kind of have to trust us here is all time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's still one of my favourites for sure. I mean, the manga is so revered. I mean, like, I can't even begin to describe how revered the manga is. Like, it's because his art style is just so extraordinary. Like, as you say, Geiger, big influencer, you know, same guy who designed the alien in Alien. So there's a lot of those elements in the monster design. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's super dark. I mean, the manga started in 1989. So it's it's old, and Mura's been doing it the whole time. Mura's a fascinating character too, because like he started making manga at age ten. He made one forty volume manga from the age of ten to like sixteen. <laughs> like, Way to a, make me feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a he's a gun. Like it's it's crazy how it was called Miru Ranger. So it was like kind of as in like Miura Ranger, kind of, you know, very, very pretty smart for a 10-year-old. Yes, like, Not bad. Uh, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, Noted down. 40 volumes and he followed that up with another manga series called The Way of the Sword. And then he went into Berserk and he's been doing Berserk up until his very, very sad, untimely death. Yeah, he was 22 when he started Berserk in 1989 and he'd already written two full mangas before that from the age of 10. Amazing. So like, you know, pretty extraordinary stuff. Very private man too. Again, like not, not unlike Hiromu Arakawa. From Full Metal Alchemist, yeah. almost no photos of him online. It's quite a thing with the manga cars. They managed to just kind totally. of well, it, it lends itself to hermit life. I was going to say, it's like, it's, would, do you even have time to go out into public? It's no, the most really. like, grueling, intense <laughs> job ever. Yeah. Sit in a dark room, drawing and writing. For they your don't whole even life. intend to be mysterious. They just have to be. <laughs> like they're actually logging <laughs> for the spotlight. Hundred like, percent. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fascinating. His guy. character designs are so iconic as well. Like guts oh. is just in my head. Like the well, big sword. He's that, called like, the Black Swordsman. Yeah. yeah. And he's the guy with the giant sword. Iconic. He yeah. kind of, I mean. Hulking. He started that whole sort of trope, or at least was the final, like, version of, like, oh, that's the trope of the giant Ronin yeah. wandering swordsman, you know, modern modern day. Obviously, how many muscles Ronin can sword. we draw into a human person? Yes. And Heaps. how dark. <laughs> human, like, and more. But, also, <laughs> but not gross, like Becky, you know? Like, yeah, no, that's, that's, like, that's yeah. too far. He's got much. He's got the sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you know the black side. I mean, of course, like Cloud, Cloud Strife, Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Very much, you can see totally. the design elements there with the giant, you know, the Buster Sword. Ichigo. Ichigo from Bleach, massive, massive throw to it. Big I mean, swords, big, big sword club. Yep, big okay. swords protagonist. It's a whole thing. He's just a fascinating character, and and the relationship between Guts and Griffith is so interesting because it's yeah. pretty homoerotic. 
Like, it's oh yeah, like of- without even it's 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 not even like implicit. It's pretty explicit. Like it's. Yeah. On the surface there. And it's fascinating. And, yeah, you're right. Their relationship is key. And all three of them are, like, there's a... And Casca as well, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty... It's, it's pretty, yeah. It's, it's, all, lines are blurred between all three of them and it's kind of just an interesting totally. triangle. And, so when the... Yeah. I think that's a really important point because when the story does turn and it, it does take you by surprise, the reason why they get away with it so much is because it's all built into that relationship depth yes. that you're so invested in. It's not like turning for the sake of plot or wouldn't it be like sick if it now did this it's just so baked in yes. you know to, to everything about what the show is it's, it's interesting how it hasn't sort of been cancelled to a degree but it's kind of it's just so good and it's because of its time i suppose but like probably doesn't get made today but like it's interesting that it's because it's you're right it's so based in character that these rather traumatic and sort of quite problematic content i mean it's this show is very fucked up like it's yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's really like the reason we haven't brought it up on Gateway to Anime before, despite all of us being into it early and being a huge uh, reason for us all getting into anime. Your second, it was I I watched it in, I think two thousand and ten. Yeah, like it was early for me as well. You too, I think. Yeah, too early. I think. I was yeah. Like, from, oh no. Oh god. Oh god. Well, yeah. ninety seven. Like I was like, oh, you know, that's like ten or so. Wait, that's twenty plus years yeah. ago. Yeah, man, we started it nearly thirty years ago. Yeah. Like so, it's very much because of its time, but it is just so good. That you get away, he gets away with these kind of. It's a bit like Game of Thrones in that respect. It's like there's some problematic content, perhaps unnecessarily, but like it's all based in characters. So it's not, it's, even though it is gratuitous, it it's not for the sake of shock. I don't think it does shock you, but he's not doing cheap shock value. I that's why, like, a Kamiga Kill is doing a cheap shock. Exactly, value. that's a perfect. It doesn't example. earn anything. Yes, yeah. that's just pure shock value done poorly. Yeah. And then you got Berserk, which does does shock value done right. You know? I just realized why I hated Agami Kikil so much. You just realized I just then. realized it's because there's no hot sensei. <laughs> there's none. Like, I was just thinking, I was like, and there's none in Berserk either. There is not one in Berserk. Never no. make this so mistake again. I feel know? like dark fantasy. Kind of sucks for you. There's yeah. no hot teachers. <laughs> so actually it's my least favorite genre. So I can deal with Black Clover. We talked about this because it's a trashy, tropey show, but there is a hot sensei in that Yami? show. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was my two cents. <laughs> I'm out now. No hot teacher. I don't talk to me. I'm out. Don't waste yeah. my time. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's a fair call, Sam, about uh, he reaches for paints in the paint box that probably don't get reached for anymore for yes. good reason. Yeah. And if that's something that you're not comfortable with or don't want on your Tuesday afternoon, that's totally fair enough. So oh, we yeah. should put that right out right out in front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive content warning. Yeah, what? it's yeah, big time. But rewatching it for this show, one thing that I picked up that I didn't on the original watch is just how incredible the music is as mm. well. And so I kind of had, went down this rabbit hole looking up the gentleman responsible, Susumu Hirasawa. And this soundtrack is this like 90s eclectic mix of like oasis rock, <laughs> like synths and electronic. And it kind of like, how does this work? But it totally does because it builds the quality in the show of this kind of nostalgic dream, mm. you know? And so you realize that you've been seeded by this music all the way through. Yes. And it's just, uh, it's a jam. I've been listening. Uh, <laughs> It's very rare that I like OSTs. type an OST into, into Spotify <laughs> and I'm like, time to, time to go about my day with, with the guts' theme going in my headphones, you know, but it got me. Deeply, what have we done to Deeply your triggering day. Yeah. Also, quick one, Claymore soundtrack, also fantastic, by the way. The CD sold, when it was a CD back then, sold hugely. So, like, another one with the next one soundtrack is Slide that in there. A Kamiga Kill? Cannot remember for life. <laughs> yeah. Anything about the soundtrack. A Kamiga Kill, it's zeros across the board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I listen, you know what OST I listen to all the time is Bleach. It's a bit sick. Like that, that sick guitar OST, is like, dude, it's like, <laughs> I just it's so extra. So how does it go? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know why I tried. But like, yeah, I was watching it to be like, man, this is sick. That's my favorite one. It's a great OST. I listen to it all the time. It's really, really good. It's, yeah, Bleach is, look, Bleach did so much right for so long until it, it didn't. Sorry, Naruto obviously has the best one too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> that is a great running song. A great oh, running song. Oh, man. And the Naruto's one time a- I ran. <laughs> 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 so good. But he also, I mean, Miura as well, he was heavily influenced by 80s horror franchises. Mm. So that was a big thing for him. So uh, the God Hand are actually influenced by the Hellraiser series. Interesting. Uh, he was also influenced by The Name of the Rose. He also drew influence heavily from the Brothers Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah, which you can Of course, see makes that. perfect sense. But also the Evil Dead franchise, particularly the Evil Dead 2. Mm. Big thing for him. He even stated after the first episode of Berserk was finished that that came out before The Evil Dead 2, but he'd have his, you know, influenced his manga drawing already. And he became anxious that he'd actually get sued by them. Right. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Like, because uh, Ash and Guts are quite similar in there. Yeah. You know, chainsaw arm, 
giant sword. Yeah. Kind of similar vibes, but, and, you know, fighting against forces of evil and stoic kind of. Ash is obviously much funnier. I feel yeah, like you can definitely see that. I don't think you needed to worry in hindsight. But I, can, uh, I can imagine. Yeah. I think Berserk actually probably has the bleakest world out of all of them so far. Big time. Big time. Oh, yeah. actually, I don't know. I mean, I can't be a kill source of that. They're all bleak. You don't want to be, They're all pretty bleak. You don't want to be in any dark fantasy no. world. It's not no. like reincarnated into any of these is bad. Yeah. Is a bad Claymore, time. Claymore sucks as well. Like, actually, yeah, world, it's like, all bad. All bad with dark fantasies. Dark is the key word. And yeah. <laughs> no one's having a good time. No one's having a good time. No one, not even Griffith's having a good time. They're all having a shit time. Yeah, no one comes Griffith out of this capital time. H, I mean, that's for sure. Oh, man, it's uh, yeah, it's just, well, what is what is Guts referred to as a struggler, which is such a great yeah. thing to describe on him. But again, it's, he's such an interesting character too because like very often you see the stoic kind of male character protagonist who can't articulate his emotions and is incapable of communication and, and whatnot and carries a wound, deep wound within him. But he's actually a fascinating character because he does messed up things because he has to. He's in a world where he is up against the forces of evil and sometimes black and white's not an option. Gray is pretty much the default setting. Yeah. And so he does some pretty fucked up things, but it's just about surviving through a horrifying, bleak, almost hopeless world. But he struggles regardless. Yeah. And it's Sisyphus in a way, you know, he's pushing yeah. that boulder up the hill no matter what the fuck happens. And he keeps on going. And that's why I think people really come back to this show and the manga in particular, not just the art style, which is exquisite and so detailed. And if you want to look up, just look up images of Berserk manga. It'll blow your mind how, how intricate it is. But I think at the end of the day, it is, let alone the great story plot you said about Griff, Griffiths and Guts and, you know, not getting well, caught up in someone else's dream. Excellent, excellent stuff. But like just the fact that, Guts keeps on persevering when he could easily have just killed himself yeah, or just died. Just yeah. let it happen. You know what I mean? Just like, fuck it, whatever. What's yeah. the point? But he still goes forward yeah. for better or worse. And that's a fascinating thing to watch. If you look up any like top 10 most unfortunate protagonists <laughs> who have like a really bad run, it's always like number one, Guts, number two, Ken Kaneki from Tokyo Ghoul. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and yes. they're the two that you're like, oh, yeah. this is not fun. Sorry. No, like, bad times. Ooh. Bad times. Yeah. Through the ringer a bit. Yeah. He gets... Yeah, he gets put through the meat grinder, but he never gives up trying to use the struggles to find the answers that he's chasing. Even by like his own acknowledgement, he's not the most emotionally deep in a way that's going to allow him to to pursue that successfully, you know? And so there's mm. this like tension there between someone that can kill 100 men with a, with a broadsword, but in a kind of childlike way is trying to like figure out what, what he is and what that means and what he should do and what he actually wants. Mm. And I don't know about you, but like being an adult, it feels like one of the hardest things to do sometimes is just to know what you want, you know? Yeah. And, Literally. Kind, and kind of this show, I think really connects with that. He's trying to figure out why am I here? You know? Yeah. Um, why do I keep struggling against a world, which is stacked the deck against me so heavily? Yeah. And he does keep going forward. So obviously metaphorical. We're all fighting our own demons and he's literally fighting them. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it is a pretty easy metaphor and it's just, that's what's so interesting for me about it. For me, it's like Guts' struggle against the unreasonable silence of the universe and or not even silence, like active pushback yeah. <laughs> to him. It's just fascinating to me. And I think even though, and there's also the three movies, by the way, if you don't want to go back and watch a 1997, like old janky 25 episode show, there are three movies which are called the Golden, which are the Golden Age Arc film trilogy. They came out in 2012 and 13, made by Studio 4 Degrees Celsius, and they haven't done much that I've really heard of, like Spriggan that did Transformers animated 2008. It's not bad. It's not bad. The first, it's a lot of CGI. It was a precursor to what 2016 Linden Films did to us. But the movies they went, you know aren't what worked that bad. In that? Huh? They're like, you know what worked in that? Let's uh, the let's CG. Just the one thing CG. that everyone got salty yeah. about. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's just really double down on that in the in the second. I season. kind of admire it. You know, like it's yeah. just insane. But you can watch the three movies. The first two are a little bit like, it's kind of like, it's just a condensed version of the first series, the Golden Age arc. Yeah. Uh, and it's not bad. The third film is actually quite good. Like it kind of, because the animation, the CG kind of works during the climax section of the show, the climax of the whole arc. And it's kind of worth watching if you don't want to go and sit through 25 episodes. You can watch three films and they're pretty good. They're pretty good. It'll give you the berserk story. Yeah. But I think if you really want the proper experience, you should, Read the manga. Yeah. But otherwise, the series is still good. You know, yeah. It held up for you, right? Totally, totally. You know, the, some of the animation was dated, but the story hit just as hard. And I think you kind of summed up well there kind of how it lands, where it's a guy face pressed up against, you know, the void of 
life and existence and, and struggling with it, not whispering back. And then he sees this light on the hill, which is Griffith. And he goes, okay, maybe that's my reason. Mm. But then by the end of the show, the void does whisper back and it's horrifying, you know. <laughs> oh <my laughs> it's God. like what, whatever's there, you don't want it whispering. Want no uh, and the way in it. which that connects with the light on the hill is the thing that's going to stay with you forever. So, yeah. If uh, those content warnings notwithstanding, that sounds like it's something up your alley, give it a watch. And, uh, yeah, Absolutely. we warned you. Absolutely. It'll stay with you forever. Well, I mean, this whole, this whole genre, dark fantasy, you know, like I said before, the first word is dark. So automatically there's trigger warnings across all three of these. These are all pretty, not necessarily problematic. Berserk has some huge problematic elements. Even Claymore does as well. Coming Got Kill, definitely. There's some pretty fucked up things across all of these, but that's the genre. So if this isn't your genre, don't watch these. Yeah. But if you are into this genre, well, you kind of know what you're getting in for anyway. We've all seen Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, like it's. I feel like um, with things like Berserk, like, yes, it's probably got the most content warning out of any of them, I would say. For sure. Um, But it's sort of because of the level of detail and the level of kind of like actual content and the world building, the manga and everything, it's like it kind of earns a bit of that. Whereas a Kamika kill just goes, ha, 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 here's some (laughs) fucked up things for no reason. Like there's literally earned nothing. Yeah. So. I don't know. I'd say that, yeah, obviously content warning-wise, just give it a wide berth. But Berserk could be, I mean, I mean, people would love the manga. Would you recommend reading the manga over watching the series? I haven't actually read the manga yet. That's what I was inspired to do having. Because mm. when I saw it when I was 19, it just ended abruptly. I remember just sitting there in my room, kind of, you know, it hits that like climax of the void whispering back and you being horrified. And then it kind of says, and scene. And that's yeah, it. That's it. You know, I'm just else. sitting in my room being like, what did I just see? You know, and uh, not being aware that there was this kind of broader mythology in the manga to go check out. So that's my homework. I'm going to go. Mm. I'm going to go dive into that. And the sad part is, of course, he died last yeah. year. And totally. End of last year and uh, you know, never finished it. I think it's about 80% of the way through. There's talk that his assistants were left extensive notes, but I doubt we'll ever, well, we'll never get him finishing the series, which is a damn shame. Very, very sad. Yeah. But he left, he left, you know, he is one of the most famous manga car out there. Like he is yeah. so revered in the community and in the industry. Like he is yeah. the guy, you know, him and Oda from One Piece. They're kind of like the two top dogs. Yeah. And for very different reasons, very different shows. But um, yeah, it's interesting. So there you have it. I just need to quickly talk about. Gerald Nye's other favourite dark fantasy show, um, Fruits Basket, which I would say <laughs> is probably a dark fantasy. It is. I was just thinking this. So a little while ago, Charlie told me that her favourite, your favourite? Yes, pretty much my favourite now. Was Fruits Basket. And I'd always seen it as kind of top of the list on some of these boards. I'm not going to lie, I was put off by the name. I'm not big into fruit in general. You know? <laughs> uh, the name makes absolutely yeah, no sense. Like I'll, eat my, yeah. I'll eat my apple a day, but not uh, not with any enthusiasm. And <laughs> so if there's a fruit salad at a barbecue, it's not where I'm going first. That's no. all I'm saying. And Fair so enough. I judged the book by its cover, and this is a prime example of what's underneath being <laughs> more disturbing than, than I thought I was getting into. But uh yeah, it is a dark fantasy, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's a yeah. shoujo dark fantasy, which is a very rare. That's true. Like Jane Eyre. Very rare. <laughs> like Jane Eyre. But here we are. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just so glad. I was. I just feel like I needed it on camera proof that I made so much Fruits Basket and they liked it. You have yeah. been banging on about it since season one. Yes. So, it's fairly so I felt validated. And, yeah, sorry for traumatizing you further with some yeah it's another one that i think's just gonna get under my skin for a long time i it was two weeks ago since i finished it and i'm still still thinking about it and i'm like episode one was cute boys turning into animals and by the end <laughs> they're like weeping about a disconnection from like something and you're like oh. yeah, really, uh, really gets you. yeah well you've managed to get one of yours across but you know my next one for you gerald of course is legend of the galactic oh. heroes because you've got <laughs> your one over now i've got to get mine so I'm, i'll get yeah. i'll win this one with you trust me yeah i Look, I want to watch. I think that the old version is difficult to get your hands on. It's, um, it is hard to find. And yeah. also, like, it's um same as Berserk, suffers from an even older, 89, this started airing, and yeah. it suffers exactly from the same thing of, like, the animation. Oh, sometimes it's just terrible. But the story, like Berserk, the story carries it. So, anyway, totally. I've talked enough about that show for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, Fruits Boss has got a really shiny 2019 edit. It does. So, it's, a know, good, it's a good one, isn't it? Really good. No, yeah, it's, it's a really good one. 2001 is like... No, don't do it. Do yeah, think? yeah. The system works. You've got someone to watch for yeah. Thank God. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Gerald. Always a pleasure. So good to have you on. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. So much fun. And thank you very much. If you like the dark fantasy genre, there are two to watch and one to avoid, unless you want to watch some YouTube recaps like a la Brett. So um, <laughs> we'll uh, leave that with you. But thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Uh, we actually have some shout-outs we need to do. We do? Yeah. All right. So we'd like to give some shout-outs to our wonderful patrons. And that is, of course, Curtis, 
That is Stuart. That is Christian, Alex, Samantha, and Caroline. Thank you guys so much. It means a lot to us. Seriously. You guys are absolute Thank legends. You. If anyone else has joined up since, well, I'm sorry. I'll jump on the website and make sure that you get your shout outs too. But thank you so much to all of our patrons. It means so much to us, honestly. And we'll catch you all next time.